It is episode 35 of Honestly Unbalanced, and this week we're chatting to Punu Wasu. There are so many things I could say about this wonderful man, it's not going to really do it justice, but I'll try and do a little intro anyway. He is an Indian vocalist, musician, songwriter, and multi instrumentalist. Born and raised in Hyderabad into a family that had a true love for Kirtan and spirituality. He nowadays performs Kirtan, ecstatic Kirtan, Indian fusion, Indian classical music, and much more, along with sound healing around the world. He has his own Kirtan Academy, Bhakti Bliss, as well as a sound healing academy too. He teaches yoga, meditation as well, uh, and has meditated for more than 35 years. Uh, and also, also he's a Reiki Grandmaster. So much. We had a lovely conversation with him. We learned so much. It's one of the more inspirational ones we've recorded. You will massively enjoy it, I'm sure. Guys, we always forget to say this, but if you remotely enjoy our podcast and get anything from us, please give us a five-star rating, share it, review it. It helps us get the word out there. Like We think we've had really valuable conversations with all of the people we've chatted to, and we think that many people will benefit from that. So if you think what we're doing is worthwhile, please do give us some love, share, rate, etc. Thank you so much. One more thing, just a little reminder, you can get a discount off life formats with code THEHUSTLERS, that's T-H-E-H-U-S-L-E-R-S, all caps. Uh, they're awesome, mats. We get a little kickback as well. Cheers. Enjoy. Honestly Unbalanced. I want to talk about your skiing experience. Recently, <laughs> you skied for the first time ever. I've never skied. Holly wants to drag me. Oh, it's the best. Like, how how was it? Were you scared? I was scared. I was really afraid that's going to happen. It's like, you know, going into the first time wearing skis and walking itself was very challenging. I couldn't really walk. I said, I, I felt like I was walking on the moon. <laughs> 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 so uh, the the first day when we went out to skiing, there was this fear of I'm going to fall down, and definitely I fell down <laughs> many many times. The second day, I learned how to how to uh, stop with the um, uh, making myself in a triangle shape. Yeah, snowplow, isn't it? I don't know what is it called. I think in, it, um, it's called snowplow. I haven't been for a while. Is that right? Snowplow, something like that. Someone's going, no, it's not that. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. And and the third day I learned how to how to really curve. But it was really like like a very um easy. I was still afraid. I was still, you know, there's this fear. Oh my god, I'm gonna fall down. Mm. But the beauty of what happened is the many times I fell down, I was just lying down on my back and I was just laughing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cracking and seeing the sky, beautiful sky, sky underneath all this snow. I'm I'm like a small kid, and it was so much fun. Oh, and are wow. you are you hooked? Will you do it again? Not yet, not yet. I would definitely do it. I'm I'm giving myself a challenge in February, and I'm gonna do for one full week, 
and to see how it uh, feels. And what, what made you do it? Did someone drag you along or did you go willingly? No, no, I, I went willingly. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a meditative experience, isn't it? Once you kind of let go, because I think the key is when you're doing it in fear which so many adults are when you're a kid you just don't care you bomb it down no fear fine but when you're an adult you're so in fear of falling over that you just you naturally fall but when you kind of just surrender and you really sort of tap into your body's flow then you don't fall and it's it turns into this really beautiful meditative experience did you manage to reach that point or was it just splatting all over the place <laughs> not yet not yet not i'm yet. still a very much beginner yeah Whenever I saw a deep, steep hill going down, I just was in fear and Freeze. panicked and fell down. Yeah. The moment I saw that, I just panicked. So it was like, um, you know, yeah. I'm still getting used to. And uh, another thing that I noticed when there, it was snowing, so it's it's good when there is a lot of snow rather mm -hmm. than ice. Yes. Then it's more slippery. Yeah. I guess a problem that most human beings have, like me included, is we have an analytical mind. Mm. And the older we get, the more we think about mm -hmm. what would happen if I fall over, if I injure myself, are people going to laugh at me? Our mind, the chitavritis, all, you know, all over the place. Mm. Do you think, like, obviously your meditative practice long term has helped you draw that in? Mm. The wondering mind when you are doing something new for the first time or going on to a new stage for the first time? Um, I didn't have that. Uh, what, what if people will laugh at me? What will, I, I didn't have that. Uh, the only fear that I had was, I don't know how to stop myself when I'm in speed. <laughs> when I'm speed, what will I do? So that was my main fear. When I'm on the on the slope, uh, sliding fast, how am I going to stop myself, and how I'm going to turn right and left? So that was the whole. My whole focus was how to have this this beautiful control, you know. On, uh, mm. I can, I can, I can uh, uh, curve and I can stop the skiing. Mm. That was the whole thing. I Falling down was not a problem. I was like enjoying it. Yeah, you just get back up again, don't you? Well, that was difficult. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I, needed, I needed some help. <laughs> it's really hard to get, especially when it's been snowing a lot and you find yourself in like five foot deep snow. It's so hard to get up. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard it's actually easier for adults to learn to snowboard. I've heard. Oh my God, me. I think if you're a child, it's easier to ski. If you're an adult, I think snowboarding is more natural. Because I think skiing mm. is completely unnatural to us in, in terms of footprints. It's so much to learn. Whereas balancing on a, a snowboard, I think is more, we understand it more, especially if we've spent our lives you know, doing warrior two, <laughs> balancing in a, in a straight mm. line. It becomes easier. Yeah, do you know what? I wonder if the yoga... You practice asana, Punu. Do you yes. feel do you feel yes. that the yoga helped you physically and mentally when you were skiing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Balancing poses, like you know, like uh, the tree pose. Yeah. The, the Surya Namaskars, all this flexibility, um, the asanas, the pranayama, they definitely help. Mm. You know, to to build up that uh, strength, courage, and and motivate towards okay. It's, it's, it's a new thing. I'm going to try it anyways. Mm. Changing direction slightly. You gave us one of the best nights we've had in years. <laughs> so at Udaya. Oh, the breathwork. No, no. Well, that was oh, amazing. That was, at Udaya yeah. two years ago, 
Let me set the scene. We were on a lake in the middle of nowhere in Bulgaria. Stunning. It was night time. There was we were floating on the water on and this kind of massive moon. platform. There was a full moon. And we'd never met you before. I'd been to Odaya a few times. I'd never met you. I think I'd said hello to you while we were walking past. And you came on stage. And I you know, didn't know what to expect because some of the musicians are more gentle and relaxed. And you, can, and you I think on purpose, you had quite a serious face initially. <laughs> like you were wearing a very serious face. Then within 10 minutes, the whole stage was shaking. shaking. <laughs> there was staff holding the speakers because the speakers were six foot and about to fall in the yeah. water. And we just, it went on for like an hour and we were in utter ecstasy. It was magic. Yeah. So thank you for that. Mm. And I guess, do you, do you, do you miss, do you miss that? Do you miss being with people in that sense? Or mm. have you over lockdown and Corona, like have you still had people when you were in Bali or wherever you were? No, I, I really miss um, being with people and um, singing and sharing um, kirtans with mm. people. Of course, it's been... Uh, almost a year since we we had this um, you know big events everything was um, became very small um i'm looking forward for this year hopefully you know we are a, we are all able to go back to daya and yeah. and rock the stage again yeah. <laughs> i hope so <laughs> <laughs> now that that style of kirtan you you do or that we witnessed there it was a bit different to what i'd experienced before in terms of the 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 beat the beat that you got going uh, now, i'm used to dave stringer and his is it's quite rocky quite isn't it, rock. in a way? it's a bit yeah. more kind of rock music style but i love the beat you introduced so is that traditional or i know your family were were heavily musical or have you kind of have you introduced your own style along the way yeah it's it's a blend of uh, eastern and western combination mm. which i really like um this is what I, I learned. Of course, my background is Indian classical music. Mm. And that's how I started. As I went along, as I, um, you know, progressed and uh, uh, learned about it, because I left India quite a number of years ago, and I've been traveling and living in many different countries. So I adapted to um, what would be the best approach mm. for, for both the world, the Eastern and Western world. So it's a beautiful blend about uh, uh, getting a, a beautiful balance of, of rhythm, beats, melodies, you know. So mm. that's what I've and have you, have you ever had any kind of criticism that that isn't traditional of anyone or has everyone always respected it and enjoyed it? One time I remember when I was living in LA, I was selling my CDs and um, uh, <laughs> that CD I had recorded in Bali so it it is a uh, uh, rock and roll kirtan oh, wow. <laughs> with uh, with um, upright bass drum kit and many other uh, percussion uh, instruments and uh, beautiful singers from from india from bombay so when i was selling this uh, one store uh, when he saw me and he heard the music he said i expected something very traditional from you you know, so that was the first uh, time I, I said, I am uh, a very contemporary kind of guy. I look very traditional, but yeah. I'm very <laughs> <laughs> contemporary. I like to blend. And I did make, uh, I, I, I did make uh, other albums very traditional. Mm. And I have a very new upcoming uh, 
uh, album, which is, uh, I just released one song and I'm going to release the album very soon. In that I use traditional and a blend of electronic music. So I've been, I've been uh, experimenting with different uh, kind of uh, genres. We have just been dancing to it in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so upbeat. We loved it. (laughs) When is your album being released then? Because I know your single is out now. Is that right? So when do you release the album and what's it called? Uh, It is called Satgur Data. Um, Satgur is the, Sat means true. Guru is the spiritual master. Data is the giver, the bestower. Uh, the so this is the title of the album and the intent is to release it on february 14th valentine's day (laughs) oh that's perfect (laughs) and what sorry what i was going to say there is in terms of like traditional kiritan would you say to some degree it's always evolving by the very nature of it you know as as new instruments are introduced you know because i guess even the harmonian isn't a traditional instrument per se. It was brought over to do like Christian hymns, wasn't it? I think is a history of the harmonium arriving in India. And I guess just like yoga, do you think to some degree it's designed to evolve based mm. on the audience or based on the people that are partaking in it? it there are two things to it. It all depends on uh, the presenter. Yes. How he or she feels. And it also, of course, influences the audiences that we have. Mm. You know, um, if I'm going to do completely traditional and my audience are completely, you know, um, Westerners, then there comes a sense that I might feel, oh, my God, are they? You know, there will be questions arising within me. Are they really getting it? Am mm-hmm. I just uh, you know, over-exaggerating myself? Or So I want to make sure that... Um, it's in a balance and harmony with uh, the giver and the receiver. Mm. Mm. So well, that's that's a natural thing that came to me to to a little bit changing my style. I love that. That's a really nice way to look at it. Balance between the giver and receiver. Mm, and that can be applied to, I guess, any interaction, any learning, any teaching that it, that, it ha- that you have to meet in the middle somewhere, don't you? Absolutely. Have you ever had a situation where you've shown up and you've done your thing and it's been received really badly and people are like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. I can't imagine, but just interested. <laughs> Not really badly, but I remember um, there was a, a lady who came up to me in uh, in Bali and she she said, your kirtan is very difficult. Oh. I said, Really? I thought I was doing very simple because I can do really more difficult than this. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a baby ABCD for me. <laughs> and to our listeners, like, because I think it's, a lot of our listeners might not have come across Kiritan yeah, before, say this. or maybe have you know scared of it, or what is that intimidating thing, or not really know what they're listening. They might just think it's a performance. Like, how would you describe Kiritan if you had to describe it to someone? Kirtan for me is the food for soul. Mm. Mm, that's lovely. And uh, the one who is chanting has this. For me, how I feel is 
when a person who is who is doing kirtan when he or she is in completely silence and connects with the divine mm. the creativity emerges there mm. and then what happens a magic uh, happens in that that the connection from the cosmos connects to the to the giver reaches to the hearts of the receivers and there's this synergy that creates in that room of where wherever the kirtan is happening mm. and even even if people don't understand the lyrics they don't understand uh, what's what are the meanings of uh, the chants they will feel it feel the vibrations have you ever had to battle with your ego because this is something i guess all kirtan artists have to be really careful with because it's not really about i'm a performer on a stage and you're listening and watching me it's really about the audience as well it's audience interaction and it's all about connecting and unity so have you ever sort of had to check in with yourself and reel in the ego absolutely many times and even even now i'm in check with my ego when the ego comes in then it becomes more of uh, you know performing yeah mm. um, the kirtan so it's like you know a battle between um how in details i can be with um, with my tone melody beat how mm. much i can show off you know all this 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 definitely is is um behind the scenes yeah it's, mm. it's there. the magic happens when the performer or when i'm singing when i forget that yeah. it's unu who is singing mm-hmm. that's when the divine takes over yes and that's what reaches the hearts of Oh, love that so much. I've never known anything like Kirtan. In like, I, I can. There is nothing that quiets my mind more and lets me kind of arrive truly oh. in the moment. Oh. And I remember, I did. Uh, the, the, the most I've been immersed in it is Holly and I did a f- five-day training with Dave Stringer uh, in Berlin, and we were you know, completely immersed every day, all day, even leading, leading our own or trying to. <laughs> it, was, it was like, which is not. Holly's a performer, naturally a singer. I'm not, so that was a, yeah, a new <laughs> Outside experience. Outside of your comfort zone, <laughs> but there was there was nothing that completely pulled me out of this world than that. Mm. And I think people really need it, but it's not that I guess it's not that readily available or that accessible. Of course, you know we can listen to music, but it's not the same as having the experience in that moment of call call and and, and response. But it is. I don't know if there's a question there. I just wanted to praise it. <laughs> I think it will, you know, after this, um, after lockdown and, and Corona, I think it will probably come back bigger and stronger than ever when people need it the most. So I don't know, in a way, maybe the world has needed this breathing space just so we can really kind of pause, do the inner work, come back bigger, bigger and better than ever. Maybe it will really, really take off into the Western world. Absolutely. That's, this is really, whatever is happening, I've, I've, I see it as a gift for all of us to go within and to really see what is what is it that each and every one of us what is it that truly what we want what yeah. is it that we really want to give you know um or maybe remembered you know hmm. yeah you know that there's this um, there's the need of the of the mind and the ego or whatever you know there's this mark that everybody most whenever we are living in the mind of course the needs are okay what am i going to how best i'm going to do the 
the next performance or mm. um i think whatever uh, is happening is is good for 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 each and every one of us to go deep within and to have this breathing space and then when we come out is really comes from the heart to give mm. have you, have you had any kind of realizations or changes in what's going on for you during this period um for me i i really see it as a, as a growth mm. i have been uh, learning new things i've been uh, um of course in initially when it, this started i was like what just happened you know yeah. and we i had no idea how long it's going to continue or whatever um but as the days went by and i'm i'm just open to to learn new things and to 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 go deeper into my meditations to go deeper into um my singing and learning new um depths of of uh, yoga and meditation and kirtan Puna, you seem to be doing so much all the time. You know, I was having a look through your Instagram. There's just that you just have so many strings to your bow and so much experience. And I just had to ask you the question: How do you find the time to do it all and to <laughs> fit in your own meditation and spiritual practice? What's your secret? So this has been my since since I was a, a child. My deepest. Um, um, ache i would say longing was to unite with the divine mm-hmm. and i was searching for ways looking for new ways how i can do this and this of, of course emerged from pain that i was going through existential suffering mm-hmm. and also um the circumstances around at that time when i was being brought up so that brought me to search for new goals new ideas learning new techniques even though i was studying even though i was into business mm. i was still learning uh, modalities of healing of uh, yoga of music of meditations so this was my interest since childhood and was it was it was it with your family the same as was that part of your upbringing or was that were you slightly different in your family my father is um, a kirtan singer mm. so since i was 5 years old i was uh, singing with him oh wow oh i've been traveling all over india and um, different countries with him and um, yeah so it's it was in the family my brother is a tabla player oh, he was wow. actually supposed to come also to daya last last year uh, is that is do you is it true that that is one of the hardest instruments in the world tabla yeah to perfect Yes, you can say that. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful instrument. Uh, it's it's also not so easy. I love the sa- sound oh, of it. Oh, stunning! That, that ta- oh, the sound of it, the tapping. Yeah, I, it's I, I wanted to buy one for myself, but I thought I've <laughs> got no chance. I'm going to just sit on a cajon instead. A cajon, <laughs> I can do, but <laughs> bang a few plates in the kitchen. <laughs> and so they were. They encouraged you to when you were exploring perhaps spirituality instead. Like, did you have a career that was different at any point, a business career, or was this always going to be your career? Mm. No, I was in business actually. I was pushed into business because of my father. <laughs> my father used to be a businessman before he became a kirtan singer, mm. and uh, somehow he fell in love with kirtan, so he quit his business. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but then when he was in Kirtan, he saw there were things that were not really going according to, you know, and um, being a musician, you really, you know, can't really support your <laughs> family <laughs> and paying the bills. So what he did as, as we were doing our college, me and my brother, he said, uh, you guys are going to go in, into business. So he was like pushing us kind of, you know, um, unconsciously. Mm. And so me and my brother, we followed the dreams of my father. And I, I did business for almost 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I was not really happy in it mm. because my heart longing was doing what I'm doing right now. And was that your own business or working for someone? I was working for someone um, uh, for one and a half year uh, with a Kirtan band. And I was touring all over India, a very famous band from India. And then um, I joined a company in Philippines of uh, manufacturing garment, import and export of yarns. And then um, from Philippines, I was promoted to Russia in Moscow. So I stayed in two years in Moscow um, uh, selling garments. Oh, so what your global life started early. Yes, <laughs> yes. And after that, after Moscow, I came back to Philippines and then uh, started my own company of uh, microfinancing. So that continued for three years. And then when, uh, when, when did the shift happen? What was the turning point? Uh, the turning point was when I came to Bali in 2009. Everything changed for me. <laughs> so so 2009, I came first time to Bali and, and I just fell in love with Bali. And um, um, I was at that time living in the Philippines. Mm. And in about two months, I moved and left my business and everything um, in Philippines. And then I started a new career. Was that a scary thing for you to do? Was, was there any sort of resistance around that? Or did, you, did your heart just know that is what I need to do? And, you, and it was an easy transition? It was very easy transition. Mm. And uh, my heart really knew that this is what I... Um, and these uh, visions used to come in my childhood. And when I started this work, these visions started to come. Wow. About healing, about than about uh, meditations about trainings so through your business time i guess you you'd continued your meditation practice all throughout and yes. did you, yeah and that was all that was a continuation always it was continuation i also had a yoga uh, center in philippines i was teaching hatha yoga and meditations and kirtan in philippines also so it was a continuous process mm. So what is your daily spiritual practice? Do you make time every single day to sit in meditation or asana? Do you have a kind of routine or is it kind of all over the place? <laughs> or do you not secretly do it? <laughs> <laughs> I used to do a lot of uh, regular meditation practices. I used to wake up at two o'clock in the morning. <gasps> oh my gosh. Um, and sit in meditation from 2.30 till 5 a.m. <gasps> Wow. It was my practice for for quite a long time. And there came a point that um, after doing a lot of meditations since since my teenage, doing uh, regular practices and everything, it came to a point that everything seemed to be meditation for me. Everything that I do has become a meditation. Right now I'm talking to you, it's my meditation going on. So it's not such uh, I sit down and do my regular practice. Um, no, it's not happening as of now. 
it might change. I don't know. Um, asanas, I do whenever I feel like, okay, my body needs to do some asana. So there's not such a, a, a rigid, mm. like, like military kind of uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, I have to do this, you know. Um, when you when you say uh, you know you meditate in every moment, as it were, is that because you think you've got to a point where you can be calm and be fully present mm. in each moment? Is that what you mean that when you say that every moment can be meditative, that you're truly present? Is that mm. is that? Can you speak more about that? Absolutely, that's exactly what I meant. Is being in the now, yeah. in the present. Even when I am angry, I see myself. I am angry. You know, there is this anger coming up. There is this resentments coming up. Whatever is going on, whether I'm happy, whether I'm talking to you right now. So there is this awareness, which is witnessing all that is happening. My words, which are coming through my mouth, the voice that I'm listening uh, from you, um, uh, the feeling that I'm receiving, what I'm seeing, all this is like a witnesser witnessing everything that is mm. happening wow. in the moment. And I, and I think you can, I think, to for like to our listeners like you're only able to do that because you've had so many years of deep meditation because what you sometimes see maybe on social media is people say you know everything is my meditation cycling is my meditation mm -hmm. cooking is my meditation but often these are people that have never actually had a seated practice and my belief is that you need to have that seated practice before you get remotely to the stage where everything can be your meditation absolutely a lots of many, many years of practice has brought me to the cliff and where I was pushed. I would say it was a divine blessing that pushed me and learned how to fly. Mm. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Wow. It's, um, I wouldn't say that I have arrived or I have achieved something. There's nothing such thing uh, that there's this destination that I have to reach. Uh, the journey is the destination. The journey, mm -hmm. enjoying each and every moment, is is the beauty of meditation. What would you? What? How would you describe enlightenment? For me, if you really ask me, enlightenment, I, I would say, being in the now, fully present. Mm. And I guess it's not something that you are you know for a long period of time i guess you experience it in fleeting moments and then kind of you go back to normal life and then it it comes again and you're in the now and then you're in the past and the future so it's not a kind of state that you reach and all of a sudden you're this enlightened person that can live in light forever <laughs> there there are satoris which we call it like a vision there is a, this uh, a moment where you experience that yeah. stillness um that uh there's this feeling that you have dissolved mm. that you are not there you as a person do not exist there is this realization that happens to many people who are in this path that i am not there all that is is this cosmos that's you know? and that this cosmos is speaking through me this cosmos is experiencing and these are the moments which we call it as satori satori mm, yeah Satori, uh, visions, realization. But there is also a point where uh, we call it as nirvikalp samadhi. Mm. When you are completely dissolved, when you are not there, whatever is there is that conscious intelligence. Mm. 
And is that wow. a per- do you believe for anyone? Is that a permanent state? Do you think people reach that and stay there? Absolutely. Mm. Yes. I suppose once you've kind of seen something like that, you can't really unsee it, can you, in a way? Does that make sense? If you've experienced that state, you can't unexperience it. Once you've seen something in a different way, then it can never be how it was. Yeah. It it um, It's very difficult to explain it yeah. in the words. It's, it's about the experience. Every one of us, if we have experienced that, we know it mm. inside our heart that, yes, it is, that is the evolution of a human life to evolve into that. Um, and I don't see it as a difficult task. It is the, the, the only problem that we face is the ego comes in. Mm. The, the, the Maya comes in, the illusions come in and these veils of these illusions are um, not allowing us to experience the true self yeah and maya is, maya is oh, sorry ananda, which is the existence consciousness bliss you know mm. and when you say maya, maya is kind of not illusion. the devil like a demon like illusion and suffering is that correct for for us this word maya means illusion mm. illusion of anything that you see it's it's you know which is a momentary, uh, uh, like instant gratification. You, you yeah. want to achieve something and you get it, and then what? Dissolves. Mm. What's next? So that's like you know, there's this rat race going on. Okay, I've 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 done yoga, I've done the asanas, and I'm the best yogi, <laughs> and I have this beautiful body, and I can do all these difficult asanas. Then what? Yeah. Mm. I, I, you know, there are many meditators also in this path of spirituality. Also, the there is this subtle ego arises that um, I am I am doing this practice. I am doing this for so many uh, years and this and that. This ego doesn't allow us to actually experience the truth. Yes, you get that. <laughs> You get it quite a lot, people trying to out-spiritual each other, almost like, <clears throat> I'm more spiritual than you because, you know, I meditate for longer or this, this and that. And I think that's quite a thing in the Western world. You see, I, I don't know, you get a vibe on social I, media. I think perhaps what happens maybe when people are new to this world, perhaps, you know, new to yoga, new to meditation, is there is almost a performance, you know, mm-hmm. the buying of the mala beads, no offense to anyone that has this, but you know, chakra tattoos down the spine, things that display our externally our spirituality. And that, you know, that's very, or people changing completely how they dress. And I think that is often what happens to many people in the first few years of their practice or their spiritual journey. Sometimes they want to display that mm. in the Western world. And I guess what you're saying is what we really need is the opposite, <laughs> is the opposite of that. Yeah. I remember about um, uh, an incident which happened to me in uh, Joshua Tree in Bhakti Fest Festival. Mm. And for me, it was very naturally. I was not trying to show off or anything. I was wearing mala beads uh, outside my Indian attire. And I remember a Westerner uh, telling me, uh, so you're showing off with the malas that you're wearing. It was so natural to me. It was mm. not like... I was <laughs> 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 Long. And I just took it so 
personally that I I stopped wearing the malas put it inside so it was not my intent to show up to anybody <laughs> that's re- that's really interesting that, that and refreshing that you said that that actually affected you personally because it kind of shows that you're still human at the same time <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh that's hilarious now, i've got a question i always this is something that always intrigues me about kiritan because of course when I, when I first experienced it maybe 12 years ago and for me i was really confused because there was like lots of white people in the room uh and i think there was like a white person leading it and you know there was a lot of talk about like hindu deities and I was very confused. I was like, I was thinking, you know, is this, does everyone believe in those deities? Mm. Uh, except that that was confusing at the time. And then even like now, I told you earlier, you know, I did, I, I led a Kiritan as part of a training. And I was really hesitant to share the video of it. Because I was like, am I going to have people say I'm bad because I'm talking about deities that I don't believe in necessarily? Or like, what, what are your thoughts on that, on that topic? So, in India, we believe that there are like millions of gods and goddesses. Mm. Yeah. And every gods and goddesses have their functions. Mm-hmm. They are like, um, you know, as we say, Ganesha is the removal of obstacles, bestowers of auspiciousness and wisdom. Saraswati is the goddess of uh, uh, music, music, of knowledge, you know, wisdom. Mm. Um and many, many things, Shiva, the yogi, you know, all this. So these all gods and goddesses, they have their functions. They mm. they inspire us to, to seek for high, you mm. know, going high into our consciousness. And they do help in the path. Let's say, for example, if you are stuck in, in your um, business or in your, in your work or uh, yoga or, and you need some guidance some help uh, just seeking that guidance from Ganesha or or you are in music seeking Saraswati please help me in my path hmm. it's not about uh, you know being dependent or anything of course every all these gods and goddesses are within each and every one of us yeah hmm. these are the qualities the attributes they hold hmm. So it's like yeah. the qualities and the aspects that already exist inside all of us and we're just kind of giving names to them. And so we're almost getting inspired by the characters within us. And you're you're chanting to that rather than anything, worshipping something that exists outside of you, I guess. Yes. Everything is within us. Mm. You know, there's this word, Jo Brahmande Soi Pinde. Jo Khoje So Pave. That means whatever we see in this cosmos, whatever we see in this universe, is actually within us yeah. in this body everything in a in in a uh, um, i would say miniature form mm. you know everything is there already mm. whoever searches it gets that revelations that gets uh, gets insights from within mm. gets that inspirations and motivations and intuitions that actually everything is inside mm. part of part of your what you do is to help people spiritually awaken so what is that different for everyone in the way that you help them or you know how do you even begin to to do that <laughs> so how it happened to me is uh, that was my the 
journey and goal since as childhood. And then I came across many, many teachers, many, many gurus, many, many uh, beautiful enlightened beings who have uh, helped me in my path along this journey. Mm. And what I have come to, um, I wouldn't say this is the destination. I'm still working on um, evolving and there is there is no end to this is um, there's this beautiful eight baby steps process. Uh, the first baby step is um, um, knowing the mantra of life, taking responsibility, uh, learning, understanding what is this mind, the conscious and the unconscious mind. And knowing the mantra of life means there's this, this mantra, which is whatever you say, says back to you yeah. that you are that. You know, Tatvam Asim, I am that. I is the consciousness. Consciousness that has beginningless beginning, endless end. Consciousness that is everything, all things, and yet beyond all things. That consciousness says back to you, whatever you say, whether you say positive things or negative things, because that consciousness is neutral. You know, mm. it doesn't have like... Uh, favorites or uh, non-favorites, whatever we say, so we become. Mm. It says back to you, yes, I am that. Tatvamasi. That's the first baby step. And second baby step is growth formula. Growing in each and every aspects of our life. Whether we are yogis, whether we are business people, whether we are household, whatever. Growing in, you know, going to that depth, going to that um so how how we can do this is is having that intent that willingness that passion and then of course putting effort not just dreaming about it mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, got, we got to put effort yes we got to go on the mat we got to you know and then comes the divine intervention you know asking for the grace then comes meditations of course these techniques all these techniques are, as I mentioned, I've been doing this so many, so many techniques for so many years. There comes a point where you throw all these techniques. You bundle it up and throw it in the ocean. Huh. You know, of course, initially you need that. You need to, to arrive to that, that, that clip where you just have this, this grace push you. Then comes healing relationships because relationships are very, very important. Relationships with parents, with siblings, with a partner, with children, with this whatever relationships that we have. Because what happens is if in any relationships there is, if any relationship, if it is unsettled, life becomes divisive. Perceptions begin to get distorted. You lose connection. You lose oneness. So relationships are very, very important. And we all came from our parents, right? So what happens is if anybody who has unsettled relationship with the mother, they go through needless obstacles in life. They might also go through health issues, love relationship issues. And those who have unsettled relationship with the father, they might go through financial issues, career, job, directions. So all these cannot be proven scientifically, but these are empirical observations. You heal that and you get that. So what happens in path of spirituality you know, people aspire, I want to be a yogi, I want to be a meditator. And if relationships are not settled, 
their spiritual paths gets on hold mm. so relationships are very very important like your relationship with your partner if it is not loving if it's not uh, you know there is no joy and you're living like a roommate you're living like so there's no joy there is no excitement there is no ecstasy in life you know you you might pretend to be someone who you know truly you're not so that relationships play a very very important role your relationship with your children your relationship with your work your relationship with yourself above all so all this is so there is this fifth sixth uh, sorry fourth fifth sixth baby step what what i have taken and what i share in my spiritual awakening courses is healing relationship with the parents healing relationship with the partner and also helping people who are single and ready to mingle <laughs> how to find the right partner a holistic approach you know and um, how to learn the art of parenting those of um, people who are parents how to bring good citizens to this world mm. you know? so these are very very important um, and then seventh comes you know the question arises what next so self expansion now with this self expansion what we all seek for is how to fulfill ourselves how to express ourselves we express ourselves through being a good yogi being famous or achievements and you know all this work and family and all this you know um prosperities whatever so achievements and um there's nothing wrong in in the path of spirituality actually when we talk about spirituality everything encompasses this so self expansion expanding yourself becoming that giant that 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 you feel that um your life as a human gives you that fulfillment yes there's this you know feel you feel good about yourself mm. so that's the seventh baby step and eighth baby step is mukti diksha mukti means liberation total and unconditional freedom from the suffering of the mind connection with the divine which is your own higher self yeah. which is not separate from us which is our own higher self so expansion with with the connection with the divine with all that is the total oneness so this is what my path has been and this is what i share in my meditation trainings and and the courses that i do thank wow. you thank and, you for sharing that and where where do you where do you teach you teach these all over the world now don't you yes i do and how was that path how do you get to that point from bali to then everywhere <laughs> global so it has been you know what i would say as i was mentioning in the second baby step is having that intent that this is yes this i feel this is my path you know the my my uh, purpose i feel i feel so good when i do this so that intent when when you really have it and you put it out in the universe you get connected with people who will help you in your path to take you wherever you would like to you yeah know? yeah this is how it works like you you put that intent and you and you put effort you, you really work on it so from bali it the journey whole started between of, about meeting people i met dave um of course bef- um when i was in uh, in la and uh, through dave i met um um 
Patty from Udaya. So yeah. these are all connections, you know, the divine connects people um, from all over the world. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a formula, isn't there? If you, you have the intention, you commit, and then you put the action in and then guidance and support comes in to put you mm. on your path and help you. And it's, it's kind of like, that's a given. And that bit's important, not just the intention, but yeah, the intention the with the action as well. Yeah. Absolutely. What, That's why the, afford, the application is very, very important. Mm. There's probably a lot of people out there at the moment who, um, you know, are out of a job and perhaps this time has highlighted for them that they don't perhaps want to be in the job that they used to be in. What advice would you give to those people who are wanting to start something new? You know, they follow their soul's calling, but they're just sitting on the fence and are a little bit scared to take that next step. I would say if they can practice the five steps of prayer, the first one is have clarity. Total clarity about whatever you want. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you want a job. So what kind of job you want? What kind of pay scale you would like to have? What kind of environment you would like to work in? With whom would you like to work in, work with? And is this job uh, going to be a dead end? Or um, it could be a job, it could be a business, it could be anything. So the clarity is very, very important. Mm. Second thing is one can ask oneself is, what I want, why I want what I want, mm. why I need what I need. Yeah. Where is this intent coming from? You know, is it coming from, from jealousy? Is it coming from comparison? Is it coming from pain? Is it coming from hurt? Or is it coming from, this is your passion. This mm. is what gives you the chest to move on, mm. you know? So is it coming from love? Is it coming from contribution? So very, very uh, clear about why I want what I want, you know? Yeah. And focus on solutions and not on problems. Mm -hmm. Because in life, there, there are circumstances, there are challenges, there are problems in everybody's life. But then if someone focuses only on the problems, many more problems arise. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when, when we focus on solutions, solution will arrive yeah you know that's the second point third thing is connection with the higher self connection with the divine creating a relationship even though maybe someone doesn't know what is what is the divine what yeah. is god so god has no nature of itself god is what you want him or her or it to be it's like a potter making use of the clay to design its masterpieces. Mm. We are all the potters and God, the divine is the clay. We can design the kind of God that we would like to have in our life. You know, if someone believes that uh, God is someone who is sitting in the clouds or, or heavens or sitting on a throne with a, with a staff in the hand is going, is the angry God, punishing God, um, who's going to punish me for all the sins that I've done they will definitely experience the same. Yeah, yeah. And if someone believes that God is someone who is kind, who is compassionate, who is loving, who is always there with me, guiding me, helping me, so will it will be. Mm. So one has to create that, you know, initiate this, that, that connection, because that 
God or that um, divine is not separate from us. It's like the two ends of the same rope. Mm. Having that connection, any relation, like Jesus had it, has had his connection with God as father. Yeah. So creating that intimate relationship, whatever relationship feels personal to you, that's the third thing. Fourth thing is actually asking for what you want. Generally, what happens, people don't ask. Yeah. People are in, in this in this uh, limbo or why should I ask when when that that divine or God or the existence knows what is the best for me? No, you got to ask. You got to have that clarity, first of all. You got to ask in the fourth. You have to ask what you want. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall open for you. The fifth thing is visualizing in a colored 3D image whatever you want, like say, for example, a dream job or a dream relationship or a dream car or whatever it is. It doesn't matter whether it's materialistic or spiritual or whatever. Visualizing it, seeing it in front of your closed eyes and seeing it that it has already happened. It's not that it's going to happen in in next year or or a few months from now. No. See it and rejoice it. Mm. Feel that and give gratitude. Saying thank you is very, very important because when you say thank you, you seal the deal. <laughs> then the divine has to give it because in the realm of the divine, there is no scarcity. There's nothing that cannot be achieved. But you've got to feel that joy, that happiness within your heart, that sweet spot and see it happen, already happened, and give gratitude. So these are the five points that I would like to um, ask people if they can practice in this time that have the clarity, pen it down, like write it down, jot it down. And, you know, something that's helped me with this kind of thing is, is start small, because if you're trying to, I guess, manifest something that's really big and feels quite scary, it, you kind of set yourself up for failure in a way. If you just start with something just really little, yeah, yes. something that you feel that you can receive in your life quite quickly. And then you just sort of get the ball, the ball rolling with it is is kind of how I have had good experiences with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that'd be really helpful for many people. Oh, thank you. Should we do some? We're going to do some quick, quick fire questions now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first one is, are there any books that you regularly recommend to people on their spiritual journey? Hmm. If they're at the beginning. Yes. Many books of uh, Sadhguru, I would uh, reckon. Um, because I listen to his lots of videos. I like him. Um, Joe, Joe Dispenza. Oh, we had someone on the last podcast recommended him as well. <laughs> and um, um, Eckhart Tolle. Yes. About now and, and the book. Uh, Dale Carnegie, there's this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never read that. I've heard of it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I remember I was 18 or 19 years old when I read that. And I was completely in the mind. And um, it, this book helped me a lot to understand the, the psychology of people, you know. Yeah. So that was a, a good to... Thank you. 
And what's the best? What's the best book that you've recently read for yourself? It can be fiction. It can be airport fiction if you want. But any uh, <laughs> romance? Any book you've read for yourself <laughs> recently? You're enjoying? I haven't read a book, but I mostly listen to audios. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so mostly, I've been listening to Sadhguru a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is your favorite Sanskrit mantra, and what does it mean? Loka samasta sukhino bhavantu. Mm, all the beings in all the worlds be happy and free. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful one. That's quite a nice place to finish. I yeah. think. Yeah, we're going to. Uh, we're going to play. So, guys, wait around because we're going to play one of Punu's songs. Yes, we are. As we say goodbye. But Punu, what should we tell people about you in terms of where to find you? Any courses you're doing? Anything online you have at the moment? Your music? You tell us. Sure, I'm very excited to to actually start these uh, um, trainings in life. I'm doing um, Sound Healing Academy uh, training in Vienna from June 5th to 10th. It's an intensive uh, six days training. And I have been also doing Kirtan Academy, which is uh, uh, like exactly what uh, Dave does. Mm. Um, And um, meditation teacher trainings also in Vienna and 100 200 hours uh, meditation teacher training 100 hour advanced meditation training and the training that i'm doing in vienna starts on june 12th till july 4th and uh, i'm doing uh, in bali meditation teacher training from october 8th till 30th which is 100 and 200 hours and also i am a co-founder of uh, bhakti bliss fest which is a festival in the mountains of Switzerland, mm. which unfortunately we had to cancel also this year because of the situation. Yeah. Hopefully next year in April or May, we'll be doing it. And everything is um, uh, on my website, punuwasu.com. Um, and I'm, as I mentioned, I'm releasing a new CD. And I'm also doing online uh, singing immersions and meditations. So people can check it out on my website, Instagram or Facebook, unuwasu.com. Lots of info there. We might see you hopefully at some point. We're often in Vienna. So So Vienna is somewhere where we go. So maybe we'll see you there. If not, hopefully in Bulgaria at some point soon. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're so welcome.